Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. But today's Father's Day. We do want to bless the men of the house. Amen. I said today's Father's Day and we do want to bless the men of the house. I want to just talk just for a minute because of I've already shared with you the epidemic that we're facing of fatherlessness. So if you will, I'm really preaching to an endangered species this morning. I'm preaching to an endangered species this morning called the Father. If we're ever going to see the seven mountain mandate come to pass, when it comes to the mountain of family, we've got to engage the Father. And the enemy is the enemy is not some stupid person. Don't 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 never think the enemy is stupid. The Bible says in Genesis that he was cunning and crafty. So the Bible says in the book of Peter, chapter 3, verse 8, I believe it is, 1 Peter 5, 8, somewhere now, I got the scripture written down. Heck, if I'm going to quote it, I need to quote it right. I have haters to come tell me he don't even know the Bible. 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant. For your enemy roams around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you that uh, the greatest message I've ever heard Jensen preaching is some years ago, and I actually stole it and preached it myself when we redid the building, was the message he preached on a message called the trophy hunter. And he had, because of his access to being in Gainesville and the Bass Pro Shop there in Lawrenceville, he had he had these monster books. He had the the replica of the world record book for the and, and the state record book. And Bass Pro had loaned him a bunch of trophies. And he preached a message about the trophy hunter. And he talked about the trophies that the enemy would go after. I don't want to dishonor the ladies in by any way. But I can assure you that the trophy he's after is not, a, not you. Nowhere in the Bible do we, talk, we see the killing of women. We see the women taken captive. But the men are sought to be killed. Every insurance agent knows this, that men are subject to die before women. We are a dying breed. And yet we are a peculiar bunch of people because they said that Women are from Mars and men are from Venus. We can't understand each other. Women like to talk it out. But men don't talk nothing. We sit in the obscure of silence. And we go down into the depths of our heart trying to figure out the things which we are at. And we desperately need these men called fathers to rise up because all of us, regardless at the stage of life you're after, you are hungry to find that father. I was reading from a clinical psychologist this week and he talked about... Um, this clinical psychologist talked about this term called father hunger. And one of the things that they did was they did a study on a couple of young boys that their father was taking from them. 
And one of these young boys took a took some of his father's clothes that he, his father, uh, I think, died of a tragic death at six years old. And he took his father's clothes and he took towels and he stuffed them into the legs of the pants and he stuffed towels into the shirt and he made a and he made this mannequin. And every night he would get into bed and snuggle beside this father figure that he had made out of his father's clothes. And the psychologist termed this term father hunger. This is the cry of the earth, friend. Are you with me now? In 1 Kings 22, the Bible says that that I'm misquoting this. I'm, I'm ahead of myself. I'm trying to speed this up. But this is a subject that can't be approached in 20 minutes. Would we all agree? This has always intrigued me. I've always studied men. Matter, remember this, and I started to show the picture. The only time I ever made the front page of the paper, we tried to buy the front page of the paper. You can't buy the front page of the paper. They said, it's got to be news. You got. I mean, my God, we're talking about good news, the gospel. Give us the front page of the paper. Because Pastor Dale changed us right. Most churches want the free section. Let me tell you what happens to the free section. It gets thrown into the trash and nobody looks at it. I want the midsection of the paper at the very front. Come on now. It's advertisement. <clears throat> but we made the front page of the paper, and it says, Pastor John Bagley, hundreds. <laughs> we got the paper somewhere on that. Hundreds flocked to Alma for a mighty men conference. We did it in the month of July. We had smokers outside where we were going to cook chicken halves and we had wood smokers the one you had to load in July and I told Matt I said I think we got plenty of tea we had like 15 gallons of tea we run out of tea before we ever got everybody seated I had him to go to, we only had two grocery stores I said you buy every product they got in there when it comes to tea or coats so I learned then if you're going to feed men you don't count men as women a man going to eat three times and if you're feeding a football team, he eats four times the amount of a woman. Y'all right? <clears throat> so when we talk about fathers, listen to this quote. I thought this is good. It's better to build boys than men men. True it, Kathy. This is what I want to tell you. I'm, I'm just dicing this up some. In the book written by Donald Miller, called to own a dragon he shares a story I looked this up and I studied this this week in the adolescence of an elephant he goes through something called a must cycle it is spelled M-U-S-T-H he goes through a must cycle this is where the glands in his hind leg and behind his ears begins to bleed he's, he's traveling the pathway from a, from a boy into a young man are you with me now? It's one thing that I've learned. Listen, when Paul writes that we have many teachers, but we don't have many fathers, the re I'm, I'm seeing a whole different level into that scripture now. It is not a cause of a lack of want to. It's just because men can't. We, we've had a hard time keeping men on the track of the journey called life. We, we just put people behind the pulpit and we say, go preach the gospel. There's a whole lot more to you than your gift to preach the gospel. You are a body, soul, and spirit. And we need to have grown men that have transferred, that's, that's gone through these shadows, if you will, these hallways of life to begin to teach us what we must do. Are you with me now? So this must cycle 
that was happening in Africa. There's a documentary of where these orphaned elephants in Africa was hitting this adolescent stage and they're, they're, they were hitting the musk cycle and their glands were bleeding and, and, and they're just proving they're, they're going out. I mean, it's just like a young boy when he hits 13 or 14, all that testosterone. Man, come on, somebody. Those that go to the gym, wouldn't you love to have that testosterone back you had at 16? But, but all of that's going through their bodies and these, these young elephants, all of a sudden what they noticed is because of the older males had either been taken captive or either been poached and killed, these elephants were orphaned. And what happened is these young adolescents and these elephants they stayed in a perpetual state of this cycle in their life. Other words, without that mature older male, come on somebody, they couldn't transform from one cycle of life to another cycle. So how they did it, they started actually causing destruction on the reservation where they were. They started killing other animals. Why are we seeing what we're seeing in America, friend? It's not, I'm telling you, it's not necessarily about social economics. It's not about race as much as it is about a fatherlessness generation that do not know how to handle authority, that do not know how to travel the pathway of life without looking into the eyes of an older mentor saying, how do I live like this? How do I, how do I become a dad? How do I take responsibility for my children? Come on, somebody. How do I go to work every day? How do I handle the pressures of life? How do I handle it when my wife is falling apart? What do I do? And we're screaming out like Elisha, where is our father? So these scientists come up to save the tundra, to save the reservation. We got to do something. They're killing rhinos. They're killing other animals. There was a senator that stood up in 1965 and he took the floor of the Senate and he said, I believe the greatest pandemic that will face our nation in the days ahead is the lack of fathers in a household. Some 50 years later, how we look back at the wisdom that Senator had to foresee something that was coming on this nation. We are living in that pandemic now. I've got to quit hollering. So how are we going to stop this? So what they did was they gathered from other places of the earth these older, seasoned, mature bulls and brought them in and introduced them to this orphan herd. Within two days, the must cycle stopped. See, you say all the time that you need my zeal, but we need your wisdom. We need your wisdom on how to stay the course. We need your wisdom on how to navigate. How do I navigate in my 40s when my testosterone is not where it is and I get in the midlife crisis of my life questioning my call, questioning my identity, questioning everything around me. What do I do? I need the father figure to look in my eyes and say, stay the course. You are called. You are gifted. You are doing what you're called to do. Just stay in the lane and stay in the fight. 80% of all suicides in this nation happen amongst males. We are dying breed. 
upon that 80% is three times more likely to commit suicide in his midlife 40s. And by the time a man gets 65, he is seven times higher to take his own life. I'm bringing you to this to say, church, we got to pray for the men in America. We got to pray. We got to pray Malachi 4. God turned the hearts of the fathers back into the children and the children's hearts back into the fathers, lest I smite the earth with a curse. That is when God seals up the old covenant and he's silent until the baby Jesus cries out in the manger for 400 years. He leaves us with that. It's time the church begin to pray. Raise up men in this nation. Raise up godly men. We need another promise keepers movement to hit this nation. Listen to this. Masculinity is bestowed. A boy learns who he is and what he's got from a man or the company of men. He cannot learn it any other place. He cannot learn it from other boys and he cannot learn it from the world of women. The plan from the beginning of time was that his father would lay the foundation for a young boy's heart and pass it on to him. That essential knowledge and confidence is in his strength. Dad would be the first man in his life and forever the most important man. Above all, he would answer the question, do I have what it takes? Am I a man for his son and give him his name? Throughout the history of a man throughout the history of man giving to us in scripture it is the father who gives the blessing and thereby names the son John Eldridge wild at heart now I want to show you this verse of scripture I, I could preach for hours on this but I'm not I'm be cognizant of the time but I want to leave you with something like this I want you to find this verse of scripture where did I write it down at Lord help me right here Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians 13, verse 11. Look at this. He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But look at your neighbor and say, when I became a man. When I became a man, I put away childish things. See, I love sitting down sometimes having conversations with my oldest son who's 16 years old. He's in the awkwardness of the first phase of life. He's neither boy nor man. He's in that awkward stage. He's man enough to drive a truck, but he's still boy enough. He's still so much boy, he can't own one and purchase it on his own. Hello. Because manhood is about responsibility. Manhood is about cutting the reins loose 
a father's pocketbook learning how to cleave unto your wife and be your own man, taking responsibility, using dad for wisdom and using dad for advice. But it's about responsibility. Come on. So he talks about when I became a man is a process. And this process can't be expedited. I wish it could, I wish that there's things, but there's things that only life can deal with you. There's only things that you can get that you can't get just out of prayer and out of reading books. It's just called experience. And the only thing that can bring experience is life. So that's what fathers impart to us. They don't just impart knowledge, they ex- impart experience. And as Mark Twain said when he was 16, his dad was the dumbest person he knew. But the time he got 25, he was amazed at how much the old man had learned in just 10 years. How many knows the old man possessed the wisdom the whole time? Just the young son was blinded to the wisdom of his father. And a lot of times our children think we're trying to control them. All the thing we're doing is to try to keep them from making the same mistakes that we have made. We have something to offer called experience. But children in that age of life live in the moment. Fathers live with eternity in mind. They know that the time is fleeting day by day. This thing called aging is getting on us all. Oh my God, I'm butchering this. Man, I got so much. Let's go back to the book of Ecclesiastes. How many knows the book of Ecclesiastes called the preacher? Let's see what the preacher's got to say. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. One of the greatest underestimated tragedies of our day is is, is is the psychological the psychological and the physical distance of fathers from their children. This distance is contrary to the, to the explicit teachings of Scripture which defines the roles and the involvement of the father with the child. This is the greatest tragedy we're facing right now. Listen to this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So think about this awkward stage. You and that 17, 18-year-old trying to be a man. You're not a boy. I mean, you just, it's awkward. So we need people that has navigated that stage of life. Now listen to this. I wish that I'd have been taught this as a young pastor and a young teacher. First of all, I think we all just need grace to say we're on a journey. We haven't arrived. I'm on a journey. And we take this sail of fatherhood without no manual. And without a lot, with, with a lot of critics and few mentors, we pushed the boat of sail out to be a dad. I've made a ton of mistakes, but I try to correct the mistakes I've made. Why would the enemy, if he was if he was a trophy hunter, why would he take out the dad? Because when he takes out the dad, he distorts the image of the father, the heavenly father, in the eyes of the child. And as the great as the great poet and author A. W. Tozer said, "What you what you think about God 
is the most important thing about you because it relates to every area of your life. If the daddy issues are messed up, all of your relationships are messed up, including the relationship with your heavenly father. We've got to get healed. We've got to get healed of the scars of the past. Come on, somebody. All of us wasn't raised perfect. We've got to begin to deal with those issues in our heart and say, God, flood the light into my heart. So according to the preacher in, in Ecclesiastes 3.1, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under heaven. There's a season. There's seasons called winter, spring, summer, and fall. Right? Seasons of our life. All through there. Steve told me one time, he said, I can't help you. On your, on your spirit side much. He said, your spirit man is strong. He said, I just got to help you on your flesh man. But see, in the church, we ain't taught nothing about the flesh man and we ain't taught nothing about the soul man. We just say, go pray and burn it up in the prayer closet and everything will be fine. You can be a praying man and a preaching man and your marriage is in shambles. How many's ever read God's generals? It's full of great exploits of what men done, but they ended in shipwreck because nobody never taught them about the seasons of life. Nobody taught them. See, because, and I was raised by a baby boomer. And one thing my dad taught me is to work. You work, son. You work, work. God blesses the work of your hands. And what we became was a bunch of workaholics. Come on, somebody. And we always, listen, you won't catch me taking no vacation. There ain't no recreate in this. I'm going to work. And what we don't understand, but God even introduced the Sabbath. Come on, somebody. And Sabbath was not for the Father, but it was for us. Sabbath is for the man to rest and get it a season of rest till you can shut everything down and you can begin to recreate. Come on, somebody. So everything there is a season. Life comes in seasons. Kat used to tell me a lot of times, she's watching, she's going to get on to me. She's not here today. She had a medical procedure done and she's recuperating, okay? But here's the thing. In, in, uh, she would tell me sometimes when it comes to school, the first week of school where she's staying up to one o'clock trying to prepare for the classroom, she'll look at me and say, it's just a season. I said, woman, we've been in this season for 18 years. Now I'm ready for this season to come to end. See, three months. Everything comes in a season. Now, let me show you this verse of scripture. I want to get to this one verse of scripture. I'm going to quit. I'm going to be done here in ten, uh, five, ten minutes, okay? Look at Psalms 103. The first eight verses of the preacher right there in Ecclesiastes 3 is great, great wisdom. Just a time and a season for every part of your life. Psalms 103. Psalms 103, verse 15. says, For as for for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. When I was in my 20s preaching the gospel, I never thought about the final place, the final date on the tombstone. I was full of life and full of vigor. But the older I get, I realize that my hair is falling out, Steve. 
that is harder in the gym today than when it was in my 20s. So man's days are numbered. And I remember in December when I buried my brother-in-law who was 49 years old, realizing that I'm not, I'm just mortal man. And there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a leg of the race this winter when I gotta, if God allows me to see it, and I pray he does, the last leg of the race winter, when you in parting before you depart. See, David, David got. He, he was a great king and he was a warrior and he was proud to be a warrior. But they got to a point, I believe it's in 1 Kings 22. I misquoted the other scripture of Elijah, but Elisha, but listen, in 1 Kings 22, the Bible says David began to grow faint. He didn't have the vigor and the stamina that he once had as a young man. And he began to grow faint. Then his young soldiers and his young sons looked at him and said, David, listen, you're not going back out at war with us anymore. Lest the lamp of Israel go out. You just stand at your post. You trained us well. You modeled what we're supposed to do on the field. You get at a place of rest and enjoy this last season of winter of your life. We'll go take out the giants for you. We'll take the enemies of God for you. And so there's a wisdom on the father figure to be able to look and say, you're entering into that season, and it's okay. I don't know if I'm doing us any good this morning or what. So six million men suffer from depression. Every year in the U.S., 20, 20 million men will experience depression at some time in their life. Listen to this, men. Depression thrives in privacy. The enemy moves in the privacy of corners of your heart. If you ever break the silence, you break the power of the enemy. There's nothing wrong by looking at someone saying, I'm depressed and I cannot see my way out of this hole. But Steve, if you can look into my eyes and tell me it's going to be all right, I'll believe it's going to be all right and I'll put my boots up on another day. So we got to learn that life, life moves forward and there's nothing we can do about it. Your hair's going to come out. Gravity will take a hold. Anybody older than me up in here can testify. How about I want to tell a story right there, but I'll leave it off. So life's moving forward. Listen, men. The only thing I remember, I was in the car with Danny last year. And we were going somewhere. And I looked at him. He'd be 60 years old this year and still looks like a beast. So let me just say this on that. I told him, I said, I'm having this issue, this issue, and this issue. I said, man, I mean, come on. I'm, 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 I'm 40s. I'm in my 40s. I mean, there's just some things showing up that I didn't think was going to show up. I'm just trying to be candid and honest with us today. If nothing else, if you wives get a heart to pray for your husband, I'll be accomplished my, son, my, my deal today. If you got a dad that's still on earth, I got to go look at a tombstone, but I'm thankful for everything that he taught me. 
I'm just telling you, we're endangered species and we cannot be replaced. Only our Heavenly Father can fill that void of a father. And he looked at me and he said, he said, you're a driven person. You just gotta, you just gotta turn your drive towards your health. Men, listen to me. The only thing that can stop the aging because it's coming. Life is moving and you cannot stop it. But you can't get in a gym to reverse. And what I found was when my wife looked at me after December and she said, John, you're depressed. I said, I'm not depressed. I'm a daggum beast and she knows it too. You know what I'm saying? I kill lions. I cut giants' heads off and eat them for my bread. That's my mentality. You can't listen to me preaching and not think that I'm some little coddler. And I found and I hit the scales and I was 296 pounds. She said, you got to start somewhere. So I said, you know what? I got to turn it to health. Because it's one thing to pray for healing, and I love healing, but the church needs a revelation of divine health. We are ate up with diabetes and other disease that we are killing ourselves with our own fork, church. Come on, somebody. And the, and the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's to be able to look at the blizzard and say, get it out of this house. Sugar is killing us. Rod Parsley said it in the early 90s. The devil's not worried about the church in America. It is killing itself with a fork. One of the last things my brother-in-law was laughing at me, he was 6'1", 230 pounds, and he had been in the gym a lot in his life. He said, I got to get 30 pounds off. He said, I'm going back to 200. So I remember the day that I hit the 30-pound mark from January, and I said, I got your 30, buddy. I just got about 60 more to go. We can stop, the, we can stop this. What happens when you get out and exercise as a man? You start finding that inner strength again. You start finding those days of, of the ball field come back on you. The days when you know like Toby Cook, Keith, I'm good once as a... <laughs> so now, I'll tell you a funny story about it. When I made it to the three-mile mark, walking, running, I was over at Cleve's house. I'd run to Cleve's house. After I, got, after I got up that hill, I said, I pray to God, Cleve's home. You know what I'm saying? He's, I mean, you know, he's always there for me. You know what I'm saying? So I pray to God, Cleve's home. And I seen the, of his new house, his front door was open. And I said, praise God, Cleve's home. Because I said, why you want him home? I said, because he's going to drive me back home. And I called him. I said, where you at? He was in Florida fishing. So you know what? I had to trek it back home. But I made it. And I'm just saying you this. At 296 pounds, I had neglected for the last five, six, seven years of my life. I couldn't get out there and just sling some push-ups. I couldn't grab the barbells and just start slinging them. I couldn't just take off running. So you got to start somewhere. Look, at you, I'm telling you, I'm talking to us men. I'm trying to help us. We just got to start somewhere. 
And what I found is she said, what? You know that I have fasted every day since January the 1st of my life and I continue to be a lifestyle that I will live throughout the day I leave the earth. I fast. I made it. Listen, you could, you could train your body to do what you want it to do as long as you get focused. Listen to me. The greatest gift, listen, if you don't hear nothing else I preach today, listen to this. The greatest gift you can give to those who love you is to take care of yourself. You with me? So I remember we just had just a couple weeks ago, we had another one of my friends who was 43 years old died of a massive heart attack. And I looked at my son. I said, listen, you ain't, I said, I ain't going out like that. I said, every day they can laugh, whatever. I said, but I'm slinging it like a beast again. You know what I'm saying? When you see your daddy running up and down the road, listen, I defeat that mess in the name of Jesus. I had a dream where I had to check into a hotel. And in the dream when I checked into the hotel, a lady come behind there and she wanted me not only to give my vehicle information but she wanted to give my she wanted my medical history of my mom and dad in the dream and then somebody come around me and put like chlorophyll uh, instead of putting it over my mouth they put it over my belly and I told John Bentley in the dream I said you run you go to my truck and I said you get my gun and you kill anybody that tries to hold you but you run and in the, I woke up from that dream and realized that God was speaking to me the reason why the lady wanted the medical information from my mom and dad God was speaking to me about the generations that came before me come on somebody he was saying, I want you to deal with some things on your mama's side and on your daddy's side. I want them cut off of your life. If you won't stand up and cut them off, sir, your children will have to take your authority and go do the work for you. I'm talking to you, dad. Don't you pass down no ghost to your children. Rise up and be the man of your household and be like Josh West from me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. Don't you pass porn to your children defeated. Come on, somebody. Don't you pass hypertension to your children defeated. Don't pass addiction to your kids beat it. My God, that's good preaching. So here's the deal. Taking the Sabbath in your life. I'm, I'm done. I, I, we got to get out of here. Mike Murdoch, how many knows who I'm talking about? Mike Murdoch looks at the screen. <laughs> the Wisdom Center. My gosh, he's got some good, he's got some good writings. Oh my God. But he said this. He said, find doing something that you love for one hour a day. Everyone in here, you need friends. That, that do not do what you do. Hang out with people that don't do what you do. One of the things for me as a pastor of the church is, is it's hard for me to leave this place because I live in it 24-7. But that's unhealthy. You would agree with that? I remember Pastor L.A. telling Pastor Dale this one time. And he pointed at the red light right just below um, New Covenant. And he looked at Dale. He said, you see that red light right there? When I pull under it, I leave it there. Because when I make it to Florida to my house and I get on my boat in that lake, it's not riding with me there. When you recreate and you take a vacation, you give your body time to reset. You need to take a vacation of at least seven days because it takes you the first two and a half days to detox from life.
So here's the thing. We got we to gotta incorporate teaching on more than just shikandala bandareteke. I love that. But we got to teach on the soul. When we got mental health as a major issue in this nation, we got to teach on You agree? And we desperately need some men that's made the passage to look at other young men and say, this is what. This is what you do. Cry the earth as fathers. You can raise babies on breast milk, but you can't never turn, you can never sustain a man on breast milk. He must have a man's influence in his life. He must have an older bull to look at him. You with me? You feel good in your soul today? One of the things that I was amazed about in this house is the longevity of the men that come in this house when I got here. Jimmy D. How old is Jimmy D? He's in his 80s, is that correct? Danny? I mean an absolute beast. Those are the examples we want to run. But if you want to be the beast in your 80s, you will reap in your 50s what you're sowing in your 40s. you got some bad social habits, you are sowing them for your future. Come on, y'all. Take responsibility. Luke 15, the story of the two sons. The younger blows his father's inheritance. He's staring over at the pig pen, looking at all the junk that he had created. And the scripture says he came to himself. There's so much you could preach on there. He came to a self-awareness of who he was. I'm telling you what, I'm a king's kid, and I sure, I sure don't belong in this pig pen. Take some time. In the solitude, man, discover who you are and get busy doing it. Find something. The key to your calling is what you would do for free if you didn't receive pay, and it brings you fulfillment. If you find that, that's your calling. So, Father, we thank you today. Let me tell you, I just got to end with this right here because I got to say this. A great, a, a very dumb statement would be, oh, well, I don't need no, I don't need no father figure. Tell you right now, you need them. You need them. My dad wasn't perfect. The generosity that I live under came from my dad. He would give the shirt off his back. We had Catherine's mom come over this weekend to help, to help with me because she's pretty much just in the bed. And we had bought some things to install in our carport to hold fishing rods. And I just didn't put one up. I watched John Bentley go out under the carport. He found the one I didn't put up. It's still in the package, you know, that you get from Lowe's. And he went over there and asked his mom. He said, could he give it to my nephew, his first cousin? He said, because he don't have one. I want him to have it. 
He's getting that from watching my life. I think what a lot of older fathers are looking for, the older men are looking for the younger generation, is a true heart of honor to come to that generation. Because when you're young, you really don't understand and you don't see it. I remember when I was 24 years old. No, look at 25. We had just had Grant. And a lot of times on Saturday, I worked with my dad. And that was the money that I could take to be able to, because we were just strapped financially. It just, I've come a long ways in the Lord. God's been good to me. And I'll never forget going by this house that my dad was building. And my dad's hands, his first two fingers was taped up where he's bleeding. And I said, I said, Dad, I said, did you cut yourself? He said, no, son. He said, I'm finishing this crown out in this house. He was a finisher. And Stephen, the builders in this room will know that when you hang crown molding in the house, that what's got to go on top of that crown is you got to run a beat of 30 all six all the way around that thing. And he had done drug that 2,600 square foot house so much that all the hide was gone off his first and second finger. And I saw that blood bleed through. And the first picture that went into my mind was every time I asked him for 20 bucks, every time I called something that cost him money, all of that come rushing back that there was a price to be paid. So instead of looking with the heart that I've arrived, I'm better, I know more, We're, my generation's more anointed. It's when Jesus walked down to the Jordan that he saw John and he said, suffer it to be so. I know this is crazy. I know this looks stupid. I'm the king of kings and you're just a forerunner. But suffer this to be so, John. I'm going to show you that I'm going to submit to you and you're going to submit to me. But when we go under together, it's going to create the openness of the heavens. Come on, somebody. Instead of pointing at the flaws of the generation before us, we need to take the positive things. And there was a whole lot more positive that happened. Come on, somebody. Than the negative happened. Listen, we throw out the bones that tried to come down through us. One of the things that my dad passed to me is low self-esteem. He was one of the best builders in this region, but he suffered from low self-esteem, and I've had to deal with that in my life. Think about David. I know I'm done right here, but when Samuel was sent to his house, he was sent to anoint a king. He couldn't find the king. He found the kid, but the kid was covered up. The king was covered up inside of the king. What was more difficult? Him not knowing who he was or the rejection of his father, Jesse, who always held him at arm's distance. He wasn't even in there when Samuel showed up to anoint him. So what the fathers are looking for is they're looking for a generation to rise up with true honor in their heart and say, you know what? I appreciate the price. I appreciate everything. I don't, I don't, I, the father's not trying to hold anything over. He's just asking for a little bit of appreciation, a little bit of thankfulness. I wouldn't be here. If it hadn't been for a generation ahead of them. We can't solve it in a day. Stand up. We'll pray and get out of here. Father, we thank you. Raise your hands. Man, I feel the love of God in this room. Oh, we bless you, Jesus.
Oh, Lord, we love you. Father, I love you with my whole heart. God, I love you with my whole being. Father, teach us what it is to be a man. Bless the men of this house. Bless the fathers in this house. And God, help us on this journey of being a man, being a father. I pray the abundant blessings over this house today in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you all, friend. Uh, we love you. Listen, you want to tune in Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, I got a good friend of mine. It's going to be on the live stream. Um, I'm telling you, it's going to be, it's just going to be good. You just do not want to miss Wednesday night's live stream. God bless you all, friend. We'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week. Yeah.